0: Wow, oh, great song, awesome song. Hi there, my name's Jeff Marsh and I'm from Elisha Care and I'm um, incredibly pleased to be here this morning and thank you for welcoming our team. Do you want to stand up if you're from, from Elisha Care, just so everyone can see you guys? Yeah, it's awesome, awesome. We say to our guys, we're, we're a community of people, we say to our guys, um, love you to come and hang out with us. Don't have to. Uh, incredibly good that you would come and just support us as we share a bit about um, our, our community. Um, pray with me, would you? We uh, welcome your presence, Father. Don't want to miss anything that you're doing this morning. Not one moment already. Just uh, see the precious children. We see how much. Life is in these children, and we see a beautiful message in these kids. love to worship. We love to gather like this, but Father, most of all, we just want to hear what you've got to say to us. We want to hear your story. So welcome. don't don't brush let him come let him just stop get you into this place where he is preparing your heart I'm blown away this morning that a couple of friends of mine would walk into this church I haven't seen for many many years and I met these people 20 odd years ago it's the first time I've ever done church with them so it's a special moment come on, to it. And so, I mean, in the Elijah Care team, just be prepared this morning that God wants to use your story. Just let Him come and rest on you and start bubbling up what it is that you would share for Him. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm really excited, but I'm also quite nervous because the last time I spoke, I'll just be really honest. The last time I spoke, um, I get pretty passionate, and I call it passion, but some people um, interpret it as, you know, a bit directive or a bit um, strong or whatever. And so the last time I spoke, there was mixed responses, and my wife said to me, the passion levels were way too high, Jeff. (laughs) So guess what? I've got a friend of mine sitting here, and he said, watch me, and if I go then I need to know then I need to know that I've got to drop back a bit um, there's a couple of things I want to explain to you is that one I didn't wear thongs this morning to disrespect anyone um, it's a part of the story this morning now I'm not sure whether you'll get this but um, I said to the Lord yesterday I don't know this church is it okay if I wander back and forth from the mic you can hear me okay yeah. Yeah. or you need that no, 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 no. oh hand out beautiful Yep, so, um, so I, I said to the Lord, yes, I don't know this church, and so I don't know what it's like, how informal, how formal it is. What do you want me to do? And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to be me. And he said, me too. So the, the no-shoes are actually really important. There's a message behind them. If you get caught on that, how, come, how can this preacher wear no shoes? You're going to miss the point a bit, okay? The other thing is um, I really need to share that I'm actually quite vulnerable today. Um, I'm, I'm quite vulnerable all the time, but today even more so because we had a funeral on Friday. We, we sent off this precious man that we'd only known for about five months or so, precious Christian man, um, struggled with an alcohol addiction, struggled with a whole lot of issues, but he was this powerful Worshipper, just this incredible worshipper of Jesus, and, and alcohol robbed him of the rest of his life, and so, and so I sat there, and never before have I done this. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed at his funeral. It was really weird, not knowing this guy for that long, and what happened was um, God was reminding me that 20 years we've been burying men and women, and um you get sick of it, you so get sick of it, their suicides, their overdoses, their bodies give up Um, and so I'm vulnerable, pretty important you know that so that you get the real Jeff not the um, Mr Preacher Jeff and so I will share some stories this morning with you, Um, we may share some stories with you, some might impact you, some might not. We'll give over a little overview of Elisha Ketch. It's really hard to talk about Elisha Kegg. It's not a program. It's not a rehab. So it's actually hard to put words into place to explain that. But we'll do our best. But the first thing that I felt I needed to do was give. Just felt like Father give me like this five minute snapshot of what He wants to share with you from Isaiah, and um, and and then we'll you know talk a little bit more about. Our community. So, um, the way I prepare, the way I want to prepare you for this this um, scripture in Isaiah, is, is I'm going to give you just the first part of my story, uh, my you know my my testimony, and um, and then it'll come to this massive big hole, and and this impact bit, and then I'm not going to tell you the rest. And so you're going to you're going to wonder what on earth is that all about? But it's the it's the bit, this impact bit that the message is all about today. Okay, So as a little 15-year-old, um, young 15-year-old, I went to Druin to get a carpentry apprenticeship and um, couldn't find work in Melbourne, wanted to be a carpenter and moved up there in an incredibly exciting time for an incredibly insecure young boy. I had no idea how to do life and certainly life in the country from the city. So I went to live with my uncle and. Loved, loved starting my apprenticeship and really, really got entrenched in the, the building side of things. But I lived with my cousin as well, who's a couple of years older than me. And in this town called Druin, if you wanted to fit in in Druin, you just drank. Everyone drinks in Druin. And so I was sort of 15, turning, turning 16, and so I just started drinking with him. And then we'd start going to the pubs after work and we'd hang out more and more and more. On the weekends we'd go surfing and drink and it was just revolving around, drink and drink and drink. And guess what? While I drank I felt like I was normal. I had a voice and actually felt like I fitted in this town. And so as, as I explored that more I would do some ridiculous things and they'd laugh at me and I really felt like, wow, well, found my place. Problem is, it's all so superficial. And it wasn't long before I met a girl and we got together and we had a child, or she fell pregnant, we had a child and and that went pretty pear-shaped because I was such a mess. And uh, the shorter version of this story is that um, we both went to Queensland to run away from the mess that we were in, had this child, thought everything was going to be fine and um, And we loved our little boy so much. Uh, But we needed to return back to Druon just to get back into the real world again. And I just went back to the pub and met the boys again and started drinking. And uh, it wasn't long before she left me. And I was an absolute mess, laying there thinking, what am I going to do with my life now? And suicidal and... um, so I would go down to my mother in Mulgrave each weekend and I'd say, Mum, I've made such a mess of my life. What am I going to do? And she would say, come to church with me. And I'd say, no, no, no. no. That's not what I'm going to do. And I'd go and I'd drink some more and get more messed up and more lonely and come back to her and she'd say, come to church with me this time. And eventually I, eventually I surrendered and I said, here's the deal. Mum, we'll go to church. I'm not, I'll sit up the back and... Um, and I don't want to talk to any of those weirdos, okay? I'm not saying you guys are weirdos, but that's what I thought. I'm not going to talk to them. And when church is finished, we're out of there. And she said, yep, 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 that's fine. That day, Jesus met with me. Because the, the outside, the 22-, 23-year-old, the outside was supposed to be pretty tough, you know. And when, he, when he's got booze, he could do anything. But the inside, the little boy was shattered, he was a mess. And so when Jesus starts to meet you in a place like this where he just comes, now this little boy is just crying out saying, come on, more, 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 I'll have this. So I went back the next week, more tears, more tears. And anyway, one day, a few months down the track, I'm saying, sign me up. Sign me up. I want to sign up for this Jesus that touches your heart. And so I signed up and that is 30 odd years ago. Um, By the way, that little boy that I grieve so much for, he is here today, and you um, might get a chance to meet him later. I usually get him to stand up, but I think it might be more exciting if you go looking for him. You go looking for him. His name's Daniel, and he's a champion. So anyway, let's move through the story a bit more. So I hadn't stopped drinking at this stage. I'd met Jesus, loved church, loved this new life, but hadn't worked out how to stop, but trimmed right down. Trimmed right back, just drank a six-pack every now and then. And so I've gone to a school reunion, um, which is a big deal. And you go back and you meet all your friends from school and you try and find out what their lives are like now. Some are married, some are not, some have been divorced, whatever, whatever. So I went to the school reunion with my six-pack and they they said, wow, wow, Jeff Marsh is here, wow. I thought you'd become one of those born-agains, you know, and she pointed at me, she goes, but look. And she pointed at the six pack and she said, you're no different. You're no different. Do you know what that does to you? Do you know what that does when inside we are totally different? Yet on the outside she saw that I was no different. Now that was my, that was my turning point. And I'm going to stop the story there and you're going to have to work out, try and work out what happens in the rest of the story. But here's the bit I want to get across. Jesus met me right there, right through that girl, and pierced my heart and said, now what are you going to do? Now here's a message. I want this message to be so, so loud and clear for you guys. When Jesus comes and speaks, we've got to listen. We're so over hearing man speak or woman speak, and we don't respond to them. When he comes to speak... And says, that's enough. We need to listen. Because, you know why? Because not the big judges come in to beat us up a bit. But this God, this precious, precious God that has plans for our life, says that if we just respond to him, he can draw us into his perfect, perfect, perfect plan. Okay? So, that day, I laid the drink down, never to touch it again. 30 years, never to touch it. And now I hate this stuff. I hate this stuff because Jesus told me it didn't help me at all. He destroyed me. So now I'm going to take you to this scripture and you're going to start saying, what on earth is he going to bring out of Isaiah? Isaiah
1: 61.
0: You will have read this scripture many times if you've been around Jesus. Um, you would have read this many times. Spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So in, in the early days when I read that, that was, wow, that's a good scripture. That must be for the pastors. They're the anointed ones, aren't they? Actually, I didn't even know what anointing meant in those days. But if there was going to be some kind of thing, power, it must be for the pastors. And the pastors then must go and release prisoners. Wow, this is pretty cool. See, didn't make sense to a young guy trying to find out what it looks like to, to walk in this power of Jesus. And so I would just let it go, let it go, and hear it spoken again and again and again, thinking, wow, that's that's a pretty powerful message. Then one day, then one day he starts to churn in my heart saying, Jeff, I want you to go and reach the one, the one alcoholic sitting on the street of Dandenong. I want you to go and reach him. I said, but I don't know how to do that. No idea. And anointed? I'm not anointed. Actually, I struggle to even pull a sentence together. I don't know how you do that. Do you see, remember, that insecure Jeff was still in there. He was born again, but he was still pretty weak, still thought he had nothing, still struggled to pull it together. And it took me years and years and years and years and years, and years down the track to realise when we receive this, we can walk in it. Until we receive it, it's just for someone else. He's anointed. He's good. She's amazing. She's good. But I'm just Jeff. I'm just Jeff. And then he said, and then he said, um, all you've got to do is believe that that when I call and when I put my spirit in you, it's the same power. It's the same power for everyone. It's no different. It doesn't matter whether you've been to theological college, whether you're trained or educated doesn't matter what you've been through it's the same power and then I and then I started thinking hang on, but but it says but it says um, anointed to preach good news to the poor and I thought oh man that sort of just cuts me out because I don't preach I can't preach you know and so that must be for the preachers and the, here's the message that I'm going to share with you and, and then we're just going to sort of finish at that for for a bit is that I want to explain to you this is how I read this scripture now. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to be good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and etc., etc. And, and now I might be messing with your head a little bit. Because you say, hang on, there's only one that's good news and that's Jesus. He's the one that went to the cross. There's only one. And um, how dare we step in and think that we are good news. Well, I'm going to tell you what I see society as these days. Um, Just look at Australia for for a sec. Is that when we want to present good news to Australians, they say, no thanks. Sick of your religion. I've seen what cults do. I've seen what uh, the wars have been started by. I've seen what the extremists are like. I've seen what the Catholic Church, some in the Catholic Church, have done to children. So I'm not really that interested in your good news. That's what a lot of Australians are saying. Please don't preach to me your good news. It hasn't been that good. Here's the message we are the good news guess what it means it means that that now it becomes so personal that if we live a life that honours father people will see in us good news and I thought about that and I thought when we started up Elisha Care and we put branding on the side of our vans and buses and stuff like that um, the first thing I thought of was wow If I speed, guess what? If I go through a red light, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Do you see? As soon as you put the branding on the outside, guess what? It's going to come back at you. And so imagine if we, his church, imagine if we, his disciples, decided I don't want to put the branding on the outside because I don't know whether I can do justice and bring good news. And so we keep the branding on the inside and no one knows. No one knows. Now, don't feel like I'm pointing fingers and don't feel like this is some kind of judgment on, on on us. But the problem is, if we still want to just keep preaching, but we don't live out, they're not going to listen to us. And, and we will go to 10 more funerals this year and we'll get sick of it and sick of it and sick of it and sick of it. If you think... Um, If you think that I'm being ridiculous, listen. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light the lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. In the same way, let your light shine. Matthew 5 says you are the salt of the earth. Matthew 7, every good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit they will be recognised. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that if we bear good fruit people will want the fruit we've got. They'll, They'll be interested in the tree. So interested in the tree. If we don't produce good fruit... Stop preaching. Stop preaching, serious. So why am I sharing this? Because um, because Elisha Care is about, not about trying to set addicts free, try and stop taking drugs or alcohol. That's got nothing to do with it. That's, the, that's just the, the outworking of so much pain. Elisha Care is about modelling to people he wants your whole life. He wants every single bit of your life and you will become so radically different and people will say, I need to go and hang out with those guys because I've seen what's happened, I've seen some fruit. And for many, many years we didn't see a whole lot of fruit. And I tell you what, it was really hard because we would bring good news, we would be good news, we would house people, we would you know, do community with people and then we'd see them run off and just go and mess up. Mess up, mess up. We didn't see a whole lot of fruit. And it starts making you ask these questions, what's going on? When do we get to see the fruit of this, Father? And so now we're 15 years down the track, and it's everywhere. It's rich. It looks good. It tastes good. And now people want it. But see, there was some hard yards. And we all know, I think if we've been around church for long enough, we know that fruit doesn't come quickly quickly. A tree needs to grow and a tree, tree needs to flourish and then it starts to bear good fruit. And then we prune, prune, prune and it gets stronger and stronger and healthier and healthier and produces and produces. And so we're here today, I guess, sharing stories with you but we're years down the track. Years down the track and now we get a chance to enjoy some of this precious fruit we eat and we enjoy and um and maybe i I tend to think it's actually harvest time. I think that we're going to go and just start to reap a whole lot of a whole lot of fruit. but you know why? because twenty five years ago, or whatever we had to do some real hard yards, we had to walk through some real messy times. If I can tell, maybe maybe the snapshot of that couple I was talking about that are here today, first time we've ever done church together, this girl, her brother brought her to church the first time, 20-odd years ago, and said, my sister's in a bit of a mess. Could you help her? We said, of course we can. And she's here today, here today. And so is the brother that brought her to church all those years ago. 20 years down the track. Do you see 20 years down the track? We want instant fruit. Bring it on. Come on, can't we just lay hands, see some signs and wonders? See, we're not persevering and fighting the good fight. We just want bang. Results, results. We're instant. And um and some of these guys might tell some stories of... Actually, it's pretty tough. It's really tough. So let me move into... We started, um, I think it's 14, 15 years ago, and the streets of Croydon, because heroin on the streets of Croydon back then was horrific. There'd been a woman that, uh, a bag bag snatched, heroin addict tried to rip her bag off her, dragged her to the ground, and she hit her head and she died. And that was Croydon. That was what it was like 15 years ago. And we said to God, we need to be right there, right in the middle of that mess. and um, and so we plonked ourselves at a cafe and we just started meeting people and um, we'd meet one and then we'd meet their friend and they'd introduce us to their friend's friend and we'd gather and we'd drink coffee and we'd share life and then we'd go into court to support them and then we realised actually now there's a bunch of them and they're living in really unhealthy unhealthy situations so um, we said to God we need a house it gets a bit personal but the first person to put their hand up to to supply a house was jeff johnson your precious jeff now it was god all over because we said father we need a house and jeff come to us and said Are you guys interested in um, leasing and the investment property i've got we said oh father that's so beautiful and so we've rented that property is it about 10 years or more 10 years or more and jeff said please don't mention him <laughs> Bad luck, Jeff. (laughs) And so we've had that house for 10 years and we've had women in there at one stage. We've had men in there at one stage. And it's precious. And it's messy. And we've had a whole lot of stuff going on in in those houses. But we have stories of people that say, that changed my life. And we have a couple here today and I will get them up maybe as we wind up. Um, They live in that house currently... (coughs) And they love it to bits. It's a haven for them. And um, do you see what happens when we start praying? Father, we need to do something. And Father just goes before us and and provides. So we started houses. And so we started um, mowing people's lawns. Most of it was volunteer. Every now and then someone would pay us for our services. But most of it was volunteer and it was precious. Because we'd meet people. They'd want to hang out with us. And, um, and so we'd go and do something together. And then as we did something together, they said, that was so good, when are we doing it again? And we'd say, I um, don't know, maybe tomorrow? And so we'd make it up and we'd wing it. And That turned into this little service that was providing for people in need, lots of single mums, lots of elderly. And then one day a man, one day this is down the track, a man comes along and he says, I've watched what's, I've watched what's going on. You have got a whole bunch of men hanging around, and there's some good men in amongst them. And you're providing this service, you need to you need to um, formalise it into a business, and you need to pay these men. They are worthy of pay. And so we started meeting fortnightly, dreaming. And uh, and he's a businessman, and he said, "Jeff, you know where will your service?" And I said, "Oh well, Croydon, Ringwood, da da da." What do you need? Write down a list of all the things we need, da-da-da, da, 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 da. Um, How will we do this? Da-da-da. And so we kept just talking and talking and talking. And um, I'm a bit of a doer and just thought, man, we're getting nowhere. That's what people want to do all the time is just talk, 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 you know? And um, right in the middle of us preparing all of that stuff and, and I guess building some kind of foundation, my younger brother, who struggled with alcohol, he um, decided it got way too hard, and he drove to Bell's Beach, and uh, finally bought himself a six-pack of bourbon, and connected his exhaust pipe up into the car, and and passed away there in the Bell's Beach car park. And tragedy, um, tragedy, just another one of those stories. And so then this. This businessman um, rings me and says, "I want to catch up. I'll buy you breakfast. We'll talk and see how you're travelling. I said, "Yeah, that'd be good." And so we're just having a deep conversation over a coffee and breakfast, and he and he says, um, "Do you still believe there's a place for business for these men, Jeff? For the unemployed, for the mentally unwell, for the addict?" And I said, more than ever, we have to, we have to, we have to do something. And he pulls a cheque out of his pocket, 20 grand I think it was, and he says, I believe in it too. And he says, don't you go and buy secondhand lawnmowers, like everyone does, and don't you buy second-hand trailers, and don't you treat these guys just like they're the scum of the earth. He said, you buy them brand new stuff, you gear them up with shirts, and, uh, and you raise up these men and it will be a commercial business and, uh, and it will change their lives. And it was about six years ago. And I could sort of see his picture and said, yeah, we could do that one team, three guys, one team. Um, oh, how do we pay them? I've got no idea how to do that. I mean, it's taxes and insurances. and. And he said, no, no, there won't be one team, Jeff. There'll be teams. There'll be teams of people, and so now it's started getting scary. And um, when we go to work tomorrow, there's probably five or six teams that will head out. It's remarkable. It's got nothing to do with us. It's remarkable that Jesus wants to build something. He'll build it. And all we've got to do is put up our hand and say, here I am, choose me. And so there's... Um, gardening teams there 's cleaning teams there 's window and gutter cleaning teams there 's a building team there 's just it 's just crazy it 's crazy and we don 't know how it works um, but he he does it and and if you look around and you see how important it is that people that have been so insecure and so beaten around by life when you see them come to work. Don their top and feel like they're a massive part of this thing, it changes their lives. It changes our lives. You see how we model good news? You see how we actually need to be good news? Do you see the cost is that it will cost us to be good news? I'm a carpenter and I could go and stay in carpentry and it's simple. You build a house, you make some decent money, very little stress, no good news. We throw up walls, we watch the house get built, we don't see the next guy be transformed. And, and that's, if you're a chippy, I'm not, I'm not having a crack at you, I'm just saying when you're called, when you're called, when you read Isaiah 61 and you say, oh my goodness, that passage is speaking to me, I want the anointing to go and be good news and I want to see captives set free and I'm sick of seeing people die, then we get to live out this prophetic message that Isaiah spoke about. We become good news. And um, if he can do it in me and nothing from Druin, he can do it in every single one of us. That's good news. Because that doesn't mean you have to be highly educated, highly trained at Bible college. You know, you need to be the, the one that made it. No, no, no. Now, God chose the foolish of the world to shame the wise. The weak of the world to shame the strong. The nothing to go and make a difference. Oh, that's good news. That's the best, that's the best news I've ever, ever heard. And I speak about that passage, and I have spoken about that passage for 20-odd years, and I will speak about it till I die, because that's good news for us. Every single one of us, that's such precious news. We get to be his hands and his feet, his light, his soul, his fruit. So guess what, Elisha Kerr? Your turn. No one's prepared, I know. Who's going to come up and share one one minute, two minutes of what of what, how he's used your life for good news? Come on, yeah, come on up. Got a minute or two?
2: Because
0: I want a few to come up, okay?
2: Yeah. Hi, I'm Mark. Uh, I've just joined Elijah Care recently this week. Actually, um, I suffered from drug and alcohol problems and addictions through gambling, and um, the Lord's called me to come. Uh, threw my life into the Lord and to come work for Elijah Care. So my background is building and maintenance and um, so I've got a passion to help people uh, learn those sort of skills and to send them out into the world to be disciples and um, that's the plan with me for Elijah Care. I'm only just joined but I wanted to um, say that Elijah Care is an amazing amazing facility. They're just um, in the process of building a new facility to house men and to um, make disciples and send them back out of the world, and uh, any support that anyone can give to Elijah Care through uh, gardening and, and uh, building maintenance and any other cleaning and stuff like that would be well appreciated. And, um, I can speak on behalf of myself and um, Jeff and Dan, who's a good friend of mine, that they are loving people and um, it's a great company to get yourselves involved with. Thank
0: you. He's, he's brand new. He, 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 he starts work with us tomorrow, but he's been hanging around just, the, just a short time. But, boy, there's a fire going on in his belly. Watch this space over the next 12 months. Come on, who's coming up? Mick? Come on, Mick. And maybe the next one comes up while Mick's speaking too, just because we're running out of time.
1: Hey, guys. I'm Michael. Um, I come from five hours away, Portland, Victoria. Um, and I come up last year in about... March I think and I was like coming out of drug addiction and um, alcohol abuse and all that that I was ruining my life with and um, a lot of hurt and pain and uh, through a friend of Jeff Marsh I got introduced to Jeff and uh, we had a conversation at a coffee shop and then I was like yeah I'm coming up and Jeff was happy for that and uh, I tried for two months and then uh, sort of gave up and went back to what I thought was going to be easier which was just drinking and doing nothing and then uh, yeah this year's called me back to Elisha Care and that just shows that um, you know it's a lot better f- for us us blokes that are part of Lush Care to hang around and get the reward <coughs> from the hard work that pays off and um, having guys that are on fire for Jesus it just um, encourages you um, you're not alone every, every week you know you've you got guys with you all the time supporting you they've got your back and um, we share food together, fellowship, everything. So it's like a brotherhood, you know, and um, we really rely on each other to keep motivated and stay strong. So it's great, yeah. How are
3: you going? I love to talk, so I've got to come up. <laughs> <laughs> One minute. Yeah. Um, so, you can't, <laughs> so um, yeah, I want to thank, you know, I want to thank God um, for this amazing time, beautiful time. And, um, yeah, I'm Joseph, um, and my wife, Nicole, and our baby who's nine weeks away from coming to this world, um, is also there too, so you can say hi to her later if you want. <laughs> her name is Georgia Grace. Uh, so, I, I, Elijah Care has been pivotal in my, my time with the Lord because I left a ministry and pastoring or co pastoring a ministry, a rehab in, in Naiora called Rima. And, the pastor and I fell out. I'd been there four and a half years in total. And we had a little falling out, which we do. It's life. And um, he was going to marry us, and I, we had no one to marry us. And God called us out audibly and said, you need to move. So um, we did. And we didn't know where we were going, what we were doing, where we would go. Um, it was a bit crazy and risky. But we moved, and, and Jeff loved us, and Kelly loved us, and Dan and Sean and um, people like the Sharps loved on us heaps and um, and took us in. And now we live at um, 2A Kalinda Road, which is the property that Jeff gave a life care. And we, raise, we raised our daughter there. And um, we're both leaders. But the most important thing, I think, is we're able to see what community is really about. And able to um, join God in raising a standard against the enemy in this country and in this area. So... I'm pumped to see the captive set free, and I'm pumped for more. So I want to thank, um, thank you, Jeff, for your heart. You know We're getting closer and closer as days go by. Um, we don't always see eye to eye in our community, but we keep our agenda, God's agenda, and things will go well. So, yeah, cheers. Thank you.
0: We'll wrap up in a sec. Anyone else? Anyone else?
4: Shawnee? Hello all, uh, I just want to share one of what Jeff was saying with being salt and light. Uh, I come from drug and alcohol addiction, I've been clean for a long time now. But uh, when I came, I went into a Christian rehab back in England called Battelle. I uh, had the same few of who were Christians, you know, weird people, a bit crazy, after heads and stuff like that. So when I came in, I was just, yeah, a bit judgmental. But what, what really brought me to Christianity, what really saved me is when, when I was sick, when I was ill, when I was going through the whole withdrawal, the lads were there, looking after me, really loving on me. You know, you know, there was diarrhea and getting sick and stuff, and and in a bad way. But uh, it wasn't the preacher or the uh, the elders or the pastor. It was actually the lads who was just a few weeks before me, probably six months before me, who was just there and just showing me love, just helping me, staying up with me all from the night, getting me drinks and just showing love on me. Some saying to the lads, "Why do you do this? Because you don't even get paid," you know. And they're just saying, "Look, we just want to show Jesus Christ and the love to you." And that's what appealed to me, and I thought, well, I want that. And if it weren't for them boys, there's only about four of them, I don't think everyone would have come to Christianity whatsoever. So, as you say, it isn't about all the big preacher stuff like that, it's just showing that love, and that was the essence of really my recovery. Thank you.
0: That's good, Sean. (coughs) This is Danny, and this is Brooke.
5: Um, yeah, we came to Elisha Care, well, I did about 14 years ago, um, so it's pretty new. Um, yeah, had destroyed my life with alcohol and drugs and, um, separated from Brooke and two, our two boys for about five years and, um, yeah, then met, met Jeff and, um, yeah he introduced me to jesus, and um yeah fourteen years later, we sort of you know life is just fantastic now we got we got back together, um got married,' we've had another daughter um, yeah, you know, I owe my life to jeff and and the rest of the guys in know care and um yeah. Just thank you. Thanks.
4: Um, Jeff said one minute or two minutes, so I'll decline the microphone because I can't possibly do one or two minutes. Um, but if you've got time to chat afterwards, we're around and I would love to share more of our story with you guys.
0: Yeah, I would, I would encourage you to go and talk to these guys. Because seriously, if they get a chance to talk a little bit more about their story, it is miraculous come up dan it 's miraculous and and danny 's an incredibly they 're both incredibly humble people um, but god 's done some powerful work in their lives and they 've gone on they don 't just go on and live a nice, happy life now with a picket fence they 're sold out
6: for jesus sold out hi everyone i 'm Daniel. Um, I just wanted to share something that was really relevant to this um, that God put on my heart to read this morning. Um, It's in Galatians uh, 4. It says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to to redeem those uh, who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if, if a son or a daughter, then a heir of God through Christ. And um, why that's relevant um, to Elisha Care is that when each and every one of us come into this community, and myself, um, I was adopted into the, into the family of Christ, and um, it's pretty precious and um, yeah so I just wanted to thank everyone that's made that possible um, being adopted into Christ and, and that's why you know we have to go out and set the captives free to adopt them into the body of Christ so good.
0: that guy actually looks a bit like me <laughs> <laughs> wind up do you, do you see how precious it is that we can be such a mess and not only does he change our life, not, as, not, not only do we, do we do a total, total redeeming shift with Jesus, but then he sends us out. He sends us out. And we go out probably into the messiest place. We go out into a pretty messy place. And, um, and we live a pretty messy life because of that. We have a bunch of Burmese with us these days. They were in the park in Croydon drinking way too much because of their trauma. And so we spend a lot of time with these boys. They work with us now. It's messy, 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 but never more richer. And I want to invite you deeper into it. Whatever that's going on, whatever's going on for you right now in your life. but. Maybe James wants to invite you deeper, deeper, deeper. So Jeff sort of said to us, um, come and share with the church your needs. And so I, I wind up with this. Um, we're exploding. We're exploding everywhere. We're exploding with our housing. We we have guys now on the floor, so we've got to find another property. So we need a, we need a house. Um, and there is someone in this church that is prepared to put in half the amount of money for, for to buy a house as an investment property. If you know of someone else or two or three people that want to invest in the kingdom, then then come and talk to us. Um, we do need finances, it's really weird. I, I never ask for money, but we're moving over to um, Croydon Uniting Church Hall. They're leasing that us that property. We've had to get planning permits to build bedrooms in there and we've all we've got through all of the hoops. And so we start building pretty soon, but we don't have the money to build. It could cost us 80 to to 100 grand. And we're just saying, God, we'll build bedrooms and house more people. I don't know how. So pray for us. Talk to an investor. Talk to a philanthropic person, whatever it is. Um, And lastly, if you want your gardens done, you want retaining walls done, you want cleaning done, you want windows cleaned or whatever... If you give some work to Elisha Care, we just give it straight out to the men and women and they love it and they thrive on it. So spread the word for us. If you wanted to get some brochures from us, we could get you brochures. But again, um, we have to provide a whole lot of work to give out to 18 men and women. And so can you help us do that? That would be awesome. Thank you for being um, so attentive and, and, and listening to our stories. Really appreciate it.
6: message and all you guys who came up and said something we're really touched by that we thank you and uh, it would be great if we could get some people together whose God has blessed to buy that extra house that Jeff's talking about and I understand that there is a possibility of a house which might cost a million dollars but if you got a number of people together I'm sure it can be done and there'd be a number of ways that that could be done If anybody is interested, and that would be leased back to Elisha Care, and we can work out how the finances would work. If uh, anybody is interested in exploring that possibility, that opportunity, talk to me after the service or sometime during the week. So let's uh, sing our closing song, Shout to the Lord.